0: The following message by Shane Sowers is brought to you by Central Baptist Church, Aurora, Colorado. www.cbcaurora.com All right. Well, if you uh, got your Bibles, turn with me to Colossians chapter two, verses six to seven. Colossians chapter two, verses six to seven. All right. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, the great Charles Spurgeon, once said, "There is no joy." In this world, like union with Christ, the more we can feel it, the happier we are. Let that sink in for a little bit. The more we feel it, the happier we are. See, union with Christ is the center of our salvation, center of our sanctification, and it's central to our deepest joys. You know, so there's a lot of times in Christianity when we're, when we're struggling with joy, struggling to rejoice, just really walking with victory. A lot of times it's because we feel as if we are in some way disconnected with Christ. Dozens of New Testament texts proves the dominance or maybe the better word is the primacy of the subject of union with Christ. John Piper writes, I would define union with Christ like this. It is the reality of all the ways that the Bible pictures our human connectedness to Christ, in which he is indispensable for every good that we enjoy. No saving good, no eternal good, no God-exalting good, no soul-satisfying good comes to us Unless we are connected to Christ. Well, this is, this is pretty simple. You know, I know sometimes we might think something, a doctrine like the union with Christ, which is a huge doctrine. It's it, There's a lot to it. But yet at the same time, it's pretty simple. You know, it's simple to understand like when you're having a good time with an individual, it's not necessarily when you guys are talking on the phone or... Zooming, there's nothing like being there with each other face-to-face, connected, truly, truly connected. We need to let the understanding of this sink in today. Connections, in my opinion is kind of the secret to life in this world. I mean, it, just, it just is. For my entire life, I don't know about you guys, but for my entire life, one of the most important things that I have had at my disposal in order for me to get, to gain, to, to move, to, to, to do whatever it is to do, it's always through, been through the connections and that I've had. That I put, as a, as a young person, I put a primacy on this thing called networking. You ever heard that word networking, that you collect people's information, you get to know them, you become friends with them, um, and then you got their phone number and, you know, you know how to connect with them and you just keep those connections going. Because you never know when you might need help somewhere and you know somebody in that, um, in that area. See, you ever heard of the saying that, I've, I've heard this like my whole life, it's not about what you know It's who you know. I mean, let me think about it. My whole life, I found this to be true. For me, many others, we were were able to gain. We were able to progress, to overcome, to get promoted. Some of us even get hired. Not because of our accolades, our awards, our education, our experience, but who you know. I know of many individuals who were very unqualified for the job that they got, but they got the job because his best friend that he went to college with and got drunk with was the HR manager at this big company. Oh, yeah, you mean you're going to come? Yeah, fine, work, yeah, I got all these, these, but you got those PhDs. Ah, yeah, come on, you got it, you got it, come on. You know, (laughs) it's not what you know, it's about who you know. But see here, this is what's going to happen. We live in a burning bridges kind of society today. And we're going to find that this is going to become a problem here in the near future. But see, the problem that's posed today comes from the biblical truth that Christianity is a lot like this in a lot of ways. It's not about what we know as much as it is about who we know. You know, and I found this to be true, especially in my, my time uh, young in the music business. When problems arise, we need things to get done, and we need it to get done in a certain way. And we, when we need a solid, we would bust out this thing called a Rolodex. <laughs> Hopefully, I don't need to do too much education with you all about what a Rolodex is. Believe it or not, this week I read an article about the Rolodex. Do you know that the Rolodex is still a hot item and still being sold throughout the world? People still use the Rolodex. They don't use the phone anymore. I mean, or they don't, they don't use the phone. They still use the Rolodex. I, I personally have went from the Rolodex to the phone. Uh, but, you know, because sometimes I find that um, I don't have my Rolodex in my back pocket. You guys carry the Rolodex in your back pocket? In your purse or anything? No, you guys don't carry the Rolodex? Around? Okay, so that, that, that's kind of why. Um, but anyway, they say it's still a hot item. People are still selling the Rolodex, still doing that. Our Christian Rolodex has very has one very, very important card where we find all things, where we find everything that we need. And this card and this phone call it's very important for the connection that we have in our lives when it comes to our Christianity. I'm referring to it today as the Colossian platter. So remember I did the Colossian flower? Today we're doing the Colossian platter. What is the Colossian platter, you ask? I'm glad you ask. Because I'm going to tell you. Let's take a look. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 7. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 7. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him, and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And you will overflow with thanksgiving. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. And we continue to pray that it will accomplish its purpose in our lives today. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing we're going to look at today is a clear description of our reception as Christ as Lord when we all became Christians. The second thing we're going to explore is what the scriptures tell us about four characteristics of what it means to live in Christ what I'm referring to as the Colossian platter. And finally, we will rejoice in the beautiful thing of what it means for Christ to be our Savior as well as our Lord. So our thesis statement today is this, though sin and the pattern of this world may cause us to fall into losing sight of the most beautiful thing we have as Christians, it is the power of the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit that will cause us to see the beauty of union with Christ and the wonder of walking in him. So, point number 1, the Lord, the acceptance of Christ as Lord. Very very interesting and controversial topic that about this whole idea. And it has been for I would say the last 20 30 years of, of this understanding as to what Paul is talking about here. Now, you know, I I see what people are saying on both sides. I think there's a little bit of confusion, I think, on both sides. Or not confusion, but miscommunication maybe on both sides. But today we're just going to kind of ease our way through this. See, we didn't come to Christ believing that Christ was our new accountant or Christ is my new business manager or my personal manager or Christ being our new image consultant or our guidance counselor or even our butler. When we came to Christ, we accepted Christ as Lord. And it's really important because I know that it's interesting how sometimes when we talk, I talk with individuals, I counsel with individuals, we have conversations about this stuff, where I actually find myself having to ask the question, do you think that Christ is Lord of your life? Now, why would I do that? Because it seems as if sometimes we can walk through life as Christians and not actually believe that Christ is Lord. Or maybe we don't understand what it means for Christ to be Lord. Now, we got Christ as Savior down. Oh, yeah, we got that down. He's my, he died for me. You know, he, I, I find forgiveness. I got mercy. I got grace from Christ. But when it comes to Jesus is our Lord, hmm, there's some confusion with that. So the issue is, is that when we came to Christ, we came to Christ as Lord, and one of the things, the characteristics or or uh, an outflow that happens from our coming to Christ as Lord is understanding that when you come to Christ as Lord, it's all or nothing. Either Christ is Lord of our lives or he's not there's no there's no such thing with as he can be halfway lord or he can be lord on this area of my life but not lord in this area of my life that I'll obey some of the things he has to say but then not obey all of the things that he has to say there's none of this you know Christ as lord it doesn't it, we don't have options right you know that's our big thing today right we like options you know, when we go in there and we buy carpet, you know, I remember my, my, my grandpa used to tell me all the time, man, you know, I went to Home Depot one day and then I just wanted to buy a carpet so I can lay some carpet down in the room and the guy comes out with this book and he opens it up and there's like 30 pages of different colors and textures and, and different treatments, all this stuff. What happened to back in the day when the carpet was gray or brown? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like today, that's what we have. It's like, it's options. Everything is personalized, you know? It's like you, 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 you set up an account, you know, you sign up for some kind of TV thing, you know, like you sign up for Netflix or something like that. You just sign up, you get an account for it, and you get all this options, Right? You go to your profile, you can decide what color the background is gonna be, what font they're gonna use for, and everything is options. You can personalize all of these types of things. And what happens is, it comes to the place where we think now that Christianity is personalized. I wanna personalize Christianity. So there's certain things about Christ that I like, and certain things about Christ that I don't like. So it almost makes me feel like in our minds, we got Christ, he pops up on the screen. And we got options. I like this about Christ. I don't like this about Christ. Let's move this over here. Let's move this over here. We're building our Christ without realizing that if the Christ you built is not the Christ from Scripture, then you are worshiping a God that's not God. It's amazing how quickly we fall into idolatry, isn't it? Christ cannot be what he's not. Christ is Lord. So if you are accepting Christ, if you are receiving Christ, you have to take him for who he is. There's no other way. There's no other option. There's no personalization with this. Okay, And it doesn't, let's let's lay aside what we think about the presidents of the past, okay, and, and the president currently. It's like an American citizen saying to the president of the United States that they want the president to be his friend, but I want you to be my friend, but I don't want you to be my president. Now, you're an American citizen saying this. No, no, no. If, that's, if, if he's the president, then guess what? He's your president. Yeah, it, 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 it's just, that's just how it is. It's just, it, 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 it is. It is the face. If, if you don't like him as president, that's why we are living in a democracy. You can go and you can vote. Next time, for the other guy. But here's the thing that I think is really interesting. Power... Paralambano in the Greek, it carries what he's talking about, receiving or accepting. In the Greek, it carries a bit more than acceptance. So I want to say this, though. If your translation says that you've accepted Christ, it's a great translation. If you received Christ, that's a great translation. But a lot of times I feel like when you have acceptance, it, it, it just seems as I just accept him. But it's, it carries more than that. It's not just accepting the individual It's accepting everything about that individual. It's accepting everything. You're not just taking the individual. When you accept that individual, it means you accept their family. You accept everything that comes with the individual. Paralimbano is not just simple acceptance and not just simple receiving, but almost in a way a taking. Not just him as a person, but all that comes with him. Not just who he is, but also what he taught as well. This is how we understand Jesus as our Lord. When you came to him, you came to him as Lord and you have to receive him as Lord, period. No, 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 Shane. I I accepted Jesus as my Savior, but he's not, I didn't, I'm not ready for him to be Lord of my life yet. No, no, there's none of this. There's none of that. Can't have any of that. When you take Jesus, Jesus is Lord, period. And if you don't accept him as Lord, then you don't accept him. It's simple. And I think this is really important as to what Paul and Timothy are trying to communicate to the Colossians here. Why he made this so emphatic. If you look at it in the Greek, he makes it emphatic that you have received Christ as the Lord. It's almost as if it's jumping out at you. You received Christ. Remember when you received Christ. When you received Christ as Lord, you received him as Lord. It's like he's saying, you know, brothers and sisters in Colossians, you received him as Lord, and Lord is comprehensive. It entails all that Paul had previously said about Christ in the Colossians. When he's, saying, when he's saying this, it is a dynamic, it is a comprehensive title. When the Colossians received him, they received, accepted him in full knowledge of this teaching, and they bowed in humility and submission before him as their Lord, who is sovereign over all. That's how we came to Christ because that's who he is. We've got to get a hold and and hold on to this fact that Christ is Lord. Dr. Uh, Hendrickson, he writes this. Uh, This is really good. Watch what he says here. As the all-sufficient one, as the Lord whose commandments should be obeyed and whose word should be trusted. See, I think this is a real struggle for us in Christianity today because so much doubt and so much confusion has come to when we under, how we understand the Scriptures that one of the main struggles with Christians today is being able to trust what the Bible has to say. The Bible says it... Uh, Okay, let me think about this. Let me bust out my concordance. Let me do this. It's like we can't just sit there in our quiet time and read the Bible and just go, bang. Ah, okay, cool. Oh, I got to change that. Can't do that no more. Whoa, I didn't know that was in the Bible. Got to change my life. Ah, I didn't know that was in the Bible. Got to change my church. Uh, You know, so we, we, it's hard. It's really hard. You know, me, me and my family, we're, we're at dinner, we're talking. I don't know if it was last night or the light night before, but we're just talking about the Word of God, just simple, about how we need to just trust it. Like, we don't We don't have to know it. We don't have to figure it out. We're not going to know everything about it. We're not, it's just, there's just so much to it. It's so full. It's just so much that's in God's Word. And it's like, you know, so, so, so I mean, what, what is it? Why can't we just read it? And when God says, thou shall not kill, we don't go, well, in all circumstances, what if you don't like the person? What if the person is this? What if the person is that? And it's like instantaneously we want to become critic and we just don't accept it for what it is or what he says. You know, many are the plans of man, but in the end, it ends in death oh, that's God's word. Well, but did, did he really mean what he said? Did, did, are we really understanding the Hebrew uh, construct of that? You know, and, and it's funny, I get, I get that a lot. You know, well, it, you know, I don't know, does it say that in the Greek? And one of my first questions I ask is, well, do you know Greek? Well, no. Then does it matter? what is it about that why can't we just do that this is what I'm saying about how we got to remember what it is for us to have accepted and received Christ as Lord of our lives where we just obey and when he says something we just trust I don't need to know I don't need to know all the details I don't need to know why I don't need to know all of that stuff. All I know is this is my Lord, and I trust him. And I'm behind whatever it is that he says. Doesn't make a lot of sense. It's definitely not politically correct these days, but he's my Lord. And whether I agree or not, he is my Lord, and this is his word. Not my will, but thy will be done. Remember when we felt that? remember when we thought that? Hmm. So let me go on with what Hendrickson said. I don't know why that just jumped out at me when he said that. The Lord whose commandments should be obeyed and whose word should be trusted. He says the meaning is Colossians, do not be misled. Let your life, your walk, or your conduct continue to be in harmony with the fact that you have accepted Christ Jesus, the Lord, as your tradition, you embraced Him with a living faith, just as you were taught to do. Remember, they're trying to pull the Colossians away from believing what they were taught. The, the Gnostics, all these false teachers, are trying to get them to to go away from what it is that they were taught. And what Paul is trying to say here is, why are you going away from what you were taught? It doesn't matter what these guys are saying. This is not what your Lord is telling you to do. So you don't walk away from this. That's your Lord. Unless you don't think that Christ is your Lord. See, Spurgeon writes this. I think this is really good too. It is interesting to notice that the apostles preached the lordship of Christ. The word Savior occurs only twice in the book of Acts. And it's amazing to notice the title Lord is mentioned 92 times. Lord Jesus is mentioned 13 times. The Lord Jesus Christ, six times in the same book. Spurgeon writes, the gospel is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ And thou shalt be saved. There's no question about this. There's no hey, you know, Pastor Shane. Maybe we should go to the Bible and we need to discuss this stuff. There's no question. Christ is Lord. And if you're if you're not figuring that part out, (laughs) I can't help you. It's just over a. It's just it's just there. This is huge, and it's a huge thing. It's almost as if Paul and Timothy is saying, you received Christ as Lord, and in actuality, if you understand Christ as being your Lord, you remain safe from spiritual seduction if you continue to walk in submission to him because we obey the commands and we trust his word. So if anybody is out there casting doubt on what your Lord told you, It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how plausible their argument is. It doesn't matter how amazing their argument is. It doesn't matter what accolades they have. It doesn't matter even if they're more powerful, more rich, or whatever. It doesn't matter. They're not your Lord. Christ is. Remember that He is Lord. See, this is super helpful, I think, in our own struggle against worldly influences in our current culture as we walk in the reality of Christ, our Lord. See, because I think that in in a major—and I was was doing just—I didn't do an exhaustive study on this. It was just kind of a surface study. But it's really interesting. I think about one of the things that we see when it comes to, like, cults, like cults that we—you know, false teaching cults uh, that still claim Christ— this is one of the things I thought was really interesting. I think about all of them. I think about like the Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, Christian Science, The Way International, all of these different, you know, cults that we have out there. And I just thought, you know what's really interesting that's common with all of these cults? They don't actually see Christ as the Lord. That's, that's common. That's out of the picture. Sure, they'll say Christ is Lord. But not the Lord, like we think. You know, you know it's, it's really interesting. Kent Hughes, Kent Hughes writes this: The Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, Christian science, etc., say, like the Gnostics, that they believe in Christ, but what kind of Christ? I think that's really interesting. You know? Yeah, I believe in Christ. Yeah, but what do you what do you believe about Christ? Right. Do you believe that Christ is Lord or do you think that Jesus and the devil are brothers? You know, you know what I mean? (laughs) That kind of stuff. Uh, And then he goes on to say, certainly not the Christ of the scriptures. This is also true of different forms of legalism and even some extreme forms of the prosperity gospel which eat away at the fringes of evangelicalism. I think this is re- that was really interesting. It was really insightful what he said about, you know, certain forms of of even the prosperity gospel type stuff where it actually it actually in a way makes Christ more our servant than our lord, right? And, you know, it's almost like, you know, Clap your hands, say a couple of things, say a couple of things right, and Christ pops up. What do you need? What do you need? You know, it, 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 it's just, there's, there's, there's a extreme forms of this stuff. But this is what he says here. The safeguard against this is a perpetual bowing before Christ Jesus, the Lord. How do we protect ourselves from this stuff? Recognizing and understanding that Jesus is our Lord. Obeying and trusting, just that simple. Absolutely simple. Christ is Lord. Remember how we lived when we were submitted to his word? Remember those days? I'm being kind of sarcastic here. Remember how we submitted to his will and not ours? Remember those days when we just simply trusted his words? Remember how we just wanted to be obedient, no questions asked? Remember when it actually made us happy when we were walking in obedience to the Lord. Do you remember how we used to sing, humble thyself in the side of the Lord, and it brought us peace? Remember how we were so, so grateful for everything that he did, so grateful that we weren't even fazed by the stuff that he he hasn't done for us, not even fazed by it. Because we're so grateful for all the things he's already done. Remember when we just obeyed simply? Remember when we said and truly believed, not my will, but thy will be done? So since you do, Paul is saying, then walk. Walk in him. Follow Christ. United with Christ, you must walk. Continue, my friends, to live in him. Okay, so Paul, that's great. Timothy, that's great. I get it. We're, We're Christ is Lord. I get that stuff. But you say that I'm supposed to walk in him. That's really confusing. Can you help me out with that? And Paul did the wonderful thing by helping us out with that. He tells us what it is to walk and to live. Some of your translations will say, maybe live in him. These are the four things that he gives. This is the Colossian platter. Four samples on the sampler platter. So you remember I taught the Colossian flower, right? I taught about the Colossian flower. That flowers are pleasing for the most part. When you smell them, they're pleasing. They make you happy. They make you smile. This is What is it that makes God smile? What is it that makes God pleased with us? And so Paul gave us the example of the Colossian flower, and he gave us four petals on the Colossian flower. You guys remember what those are? Mm. Bearing fruit that we're supposed to increase in the knowledge of God, endure suffering, being strengthened so that we can endure suffering and giving thanks in all things. If that's the life that you're living and that's what's happening in your life, then you are living a life that's pleasing to God. But just like flowers are pleasing to smell, what is it to live? One of the things that we have to do to live in this world is to eat, okay? And, and my understanding is that Ken Sanders figured this out pretty quick. <laughs> so someone said that Ken hasn't eaten since Thursday, and he was hungry. And, and he actually ordered a sandwich from the hospital. They brought it up to him. He took two bites, and the doctor went, snatch. You can't have this before surgery. Poor guy. Anyway, so Ken probably feels like he's going to die. That's one of the things I say when I don't eat. If I don't eat and it has been a couple of days, I feel like I'm going to die. So in order to live, what is it to live in Christ? We got to eat. So Paul gives us four things here to help us know what it is to live in Christ. So first up, on the Colossian platter, number one, we've got to be rooted in Christ If you're going to walk and you're going to live in Christ, you got to be rooted in Christ, rooted in Christ. And the picture, I think, is pretty clear as to what this means. Rooted in Christ like a tree is rooted in the earth. And I think maybe what could be pictured a little bit here is one of my favorite things when it comes to being rooted in Christ, just understanding, just understand, like every time I read rooted, my mind immediately goes to Psalms 1, the very first Psalm, right? Psalm chapter 1, verse 3, the, the, they, they are like trees that are planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season, their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Being rooted. They're like rooted like trees along the riverbank, being rooted in Christ. That's what it means to live in Christ. We are rooted in Christ. Not only being fed by Christ, and so that our leaves don't wither, that we that prosperity, we bear fruit, all that not being fed and infused, right? And that that's clear picture. We are the branches. Christ is divine. Together we bear fruit. I mean, that is what it is to live in Christ, to be united with Christ. Not only are we fed so that we grow stronger and that we can bear fruit, but you know that the roots that we have in Christ are also supposed to grow deeper. The deeper the root, the stronger the foundation, right? So we will not be tossed around and uprooted by the winds of suffering. So remember, this is the context Paul, the false teachers are coming in and they're trying to get the Christians to turn away from Christ. They're trying to uproot them from their Christianity. And he's saying, no, to live in Christ, you got to be rooted. And those roots need to go down deep. So we're not like Matthew 13, 21, Matthew 13, 21. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Our roots aren't deep. When trials, tribulations, suffering comes, whew, we just fall away. And like I said, that's the big one. That's the biggie that I see today in, in Christianity. It, a lot of times people will turn away from Christianity simply because they can't handle suffering. And I'm trying to say that suffering is a part of Christianity. You know, it, it's like, it's like we, we think that Christianity is like this miracle pill. Where all we got to do is we got to come to the altar, give our life to Christ, take the pill, and our life is different. And we're going to be mature, complete, and not lacking in anything. Uh-uh. It's not a pill. You know? They don't have that kind of pill when it comes to working out. I'll tell you that right now. You want to get in shape? You know, they. I'll tell you what. That person will be a... That, that person will be... a multi-trillionaire probably instantaneously in one day become the richest man on earth if he discovered a pill that you could take and the next morning you wake up and you look like Superman and ladies you wake up and you look like Wonder Woman man you know how many and he he charges like you know $20,000 for that pill how many people be, like, cashing in their mutual funds and, you know, cashing in their stocks, you know, so they did get money for this stuff? They'd be doing all that kind of stuff. And the cool thing about it is you can eat whatever you want and you'll still look like that. That's the richest man in the world or richest woman in the world. Christianity is not like that. We have to endure suffering. We've got to go through trials and tribulations. Do you want to be mature, complete, and not lacking in anything? then trials you must go. It's like working out. You, you don't have that pill. So if you want to look like Superman, you've got to work at it. Same thing with Christianity. we gotta, we got to grow. But the problem with this is is that we can't if our roots aren't deep, which then clearly pictures Paul's concern with the Colossians falling away into apostasy with the, tr- the teachers at that time. Christ is Lord, Walk in him. And in order to walk in him, you got to be rooted in him. So that's platter number one. So there you got it, rooted. What's the next sample that's up on the platter? The next one is being built up. Rooted in him, built up in him. Not just rooted, built up in him. The second part of the platter. This is picturing a house. Houses are built. Houses are built up. And the image of us being like a house is b- built on the foundation of Christ. And I think this is really interesting because Paul unites the two in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. It's amazing how he's using this right there. Right now that in the, both of these two things that we're rooted in Christ, and that we're built up in Christ. Living in Christ is to hear and apply the words of Christ and our lives being built upon the right foundation. To live in Christ is to be built up into or to maturity on the solid rock by which we stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Matthew chapter 4, verse 24 to 27 Matthew chapter 4, verse 24 to 27. Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is, it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in, torrents and flood waters rise, and the wind beats against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey, is, it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand, when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash to live in christ is to be rooted and built up and now the next piece on the platter is to be strengthened in the faith so to to li- to be in christ to live to walk in christ number one we got to be rooted in christ number two we need to be built up in christ on christ as our solid rock and number three we've got to be strengthened in the faith Super important that we see this. Strengthened is like, you know, he just wants to make you strong. Yeah, I just want to be strong. And that's just so general. Uh, He wasn't general. He was very specific. He wants us to be strengthened. Some of your translations will say established. To be more established, strengthened in what? In the faith. To be strengthened or more established in what we have been taught. This is... Important. These, the, the false teachers are trying to get them to fall away. They are able to do that if we're not strengthened in the faith. We are not strengthened and established in what we have been taught. To live in Christ is to not walk away from old truth so that we can go to newer truth. The minute, this is what I, I tell people all the time. The minute, the minute you hear the preacher standing up here going, and he says something like, Today I'm going to show you something that nobody's seen before. Here is something in the scriptures that God showed me from the scriptures today that nobody knows, nobody's seen, and today you get to hear this. The minute you hear somebody saying, let me show you something new when it comes to the faith, man, you got to be ready for that. There is none of that. We don't go to newer Truth. We don't go to new truth. The, you know, when we see that stuff, it's mm-mm, mm-mm, no, no. I got newer, hidden truth. Let me give you the secrets of this passage of scripture here. No, 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 no. We do not live in Christ. we we live in Christ being strengthened and and being established in what was delivered, not by receiving and learning new truths. The faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. And Valley, let me let me also give you some a little bit of let me give you a hint on something here. If God is hiding truth from you, then you are being judged. Did you guys get that? If God is hiding truth from you, you are being judged. Jesus gave that parable. He is revealing and concealing His words concealing those words from those who are going to be judged by God so when you hear that you know God has hidden this and I've discovered it let me show you what it is Mm -mm. Mm -mm. we don't go down that road remember Jude 3 Jude 3 dear friends I have been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share but I now find that I must write about something else urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once and for all time to his holy people. He gave it to us. It's there. You know, it's, it's, it's like Paul in Galatians. Remember when he was talking to the Galatians about another gospel? If anybody comes to you and preaches a gospel that's different from the gospel that I have taught you, what, are you, what, what did he say? Let them be Accursed. If anybody's teaching you anything, any of the gospel that's contrary to the gospel that we have taught you, let him be accursed. He was like, if I myself, if the other apostles, if an angel from heaven is actually coming down and descending and standing behind us, and we are preaching to you a gospel contrary to one that you heard, you don't listen to it. It's another gospel. You know, that when Paul said that, he makes something very, very clear. It, that one thing that's super clear about that, that everything that you need to know about the gospel has already been given to you. This is why, I'm, this is why he's saying, if somebody's coming up and saying, hey, man, I got, I got this. We, we've misunderstood the gospel for the last 2,000 years. Let me share with, this, with you. Oh, hey, uh, Gabriel? Can you come help me with this? And then Gabriel comes down. All right, and then we start preaching a gospel that's different from the gospel that you already got from Scripture. You don't believe it. Uh uh. I don't care how awesome Gabriel looks. I mean, Paul is making that very clear in Galatians. If an angel from heaven does it, you don't listen to him. It is another gospel. This is why we got to be strengthened in the faith. It has already been given to us. If anything new is trying to come in, and this is what the, the, the Gnostics and the false teachers were doing, trying to deceive them by telling them that this is the latest, greatest thing and pulling them away. Do we chase after newer truths today? Absolutely we do. Totally. And people will be like, well, Shane, how do you know that people are believing new truths? This, this has been phenomenal. This has been my ministry. This is really interesting because people will come to me a lot of times after I preach and will say, you know what, Shane? I've never heard that before. That, wow, and they're scratching their head. That's so new. I've never heard that. That's some new stuff, man. They say that to me when all I'm doing is preaching the truth of Scripture and what has, how it's been interpreted throughout all of historic Christian faith. And I can show you guys. I can prove that stuff to you. I'm not doing anything. When I'm preaching, I'm not giving you guys anything new. God forbid I give you guys anything new. But people tell me that I'm teaching something that's new. Which is telling me that what they believe is the new. Amen. And there's a problem if what, is, if what you think is new when it's the old and has been. First centuries. Amazing. This is how we know we get into trouble. Uh, R.C. Lucas, he writes this This has something uncomfortably trenchant to say to Christian leaders. Did not, did not many owe their first knowledge of Christ to evangelical truth? Yet, how many now say that they've grown out of such simplicities? But to grow beyond the saving truths if we were faithfully taught them is not to grow up in a way that can please God or profit the church. Such fancied superiority and knowledge calls for honest self-examination to see if true loyalty to Christ remains. What? Shane, what? Because to say that we have outgrown the basic truths of Christianity is to become pagan i say that again you want me to say that to say that we have outgrown the truths of christianity we have become pagan despite the objections to the contrary we've got to see this this is huge the doctrines of god let's just talk about things like simplicity Uh, let's talk about the incarnation reconciliation adoption the gospel we would not even be considered a thorough enough studied if we've studied them for thousands of years. Family, the truths that we have in Scripture are so far beyond, so far beyond, and the, the, the understanding is so far beyond that in no way could we ever say that we have it all so figured out that we actually need something new. We couldn't. We couldn't. I mean, mean, think about it, right? I mean, how many times have we, you know, for many of you, you've been Christians for a long time. You've read through the Bible a long time. I can't count how many times I've read through the book of Romans. But you know that every single time I read the book of Romans, something's there. We don't need anything new. We can't even handle the old. (laughs) Right, it's too much. You know, it's too much. You know, that's why it's just just so frustrating when it comes to technology. You know what I'm saying? It's like once I finally figured out my computer, a new one comes out, and I'm like, I can't even understand and I can't figure out all the stuff that my old computer. It's just, it's just, it's. We don't need this. We don't need. This is not a part of what it is. We need to be strengthened, and we need to be established, not in the new things that are coming down, but strengthened and established in what God has already shown us. And this is what I think, family, and I'm just going to say it. New stuff, when you hear the new stuff, for the most part, it probably is deception. I mean, seriously, it's probably deception. It's probably trying to lead you away so that you can be inspired to buy their latest book so that they can buy new cars and three private jets, you know, all that stuff. I mean, and here's the last thing on the platter. So rooted, built up, right? And then uh, strengthened in the faith in the last thing on the platter Overflowing with thanksgiving. Oh my gosh, is this huge. Oh my gosh, is this, is, this is so huge, especially in evangelical culture today. Thanksgiving. To live in Christ means to be rooted, unshakable, bearing fruit, to be built up, to mature, to be strengthened in the faith, to be solid, to know what it is you believe in, why you believe it. And overflowing with thankfulness. May we never, ever, ever become ungrateful to Christ while we walk in him. This is amazing. The saying goes, I can't remember who said it, but the saying goes essentially like, just as green healthy leaves are a sign of a healthy plant, so is thanksgiving an unfailing mark of a healthy Christian. You know this, this plant is doing well when the leaves look great, bearing fruit. You know a Christian is doing well with God when he is overflowing. He or she is overflowing with Thanksgiving. Thankful for everything that Christ has done. We cannot be thankful enough for everything that Christ has done. See, if we are honest with ourselves today, we will see that thank, a thankless spirit displays a life that is no longer focused. On the greatness of God. If you see a Christian who is absolutely thankless and ungrateful, this person has stopped seeing the greatness of Christ. They're not looking at the greatness of Christ anymore. They're looking at the failings of their own life. Oh, you mean God's not going to bail me out of this again? Remember the proverb. We do things, we do it our own way, and then when it doesn't work out, we get angry at God. Right? It's, it's, It's amazing. When we stop reflecting on the greatness of Christ, family, we get ungrateful in our heart. And here it is. I'm, I'm really trying to bring us here. If we are honest with ourselves today, we will see that a thankless spirit displays a life that's no longer focused on the greatness of Christ. Because when we are truly thankful for all, we are not easily drawn away. Stop. Stop what you're doing, because I'm about to ruin. <laughs> Thanksgiving keeps us from being dragged away in deception. Really? Being thankful to God will keep me from being deceived? For real? Do you know why? Because when we are overflowing with thanksgiving, we no longer have a need or a desire to look fulfill- for fulfillment anywhere else. Thank you. Some of y'all are with me. You see that? You see how? When you're thankful and overflowing with thanksgiving for everything that He's done, you are not out there looking for something else. You're not out there going, oh, huh, I wonder if this is good. I wonder if this is good. You know, this might actually be better. This religion might actually be better. This system of thought is like, uh-uh. When you are overflowing with thanksgiving, you are just, God, I am so thankful. You have done so. We're, we're overflowing with looking and focusing on God as everything. He's my everything. He is all I need. We are not sniffing around looking for something better. We're not looking for something better because we're just overflowing with thankfulness. You know, and, I, and, I've, and I've always said this, you know, when it, comes to, when it comes to our marriage, you know, when it comes to even marriages, you know, I'll say, I'll say this to wives, I say this to husbands all the time. Hey, why don't you make, do everything you can to make the household someplace where, you know, your husband wants to come home to? You know what I'm saying? Or, or or the other way around husbands you know it's like the minute you know wife husbands yeah all y'all work i know i get it you know but you know you walk through the door after a long day at work yeah 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 especially if you like work at like direct tv or something and you're listening and doing customer service you know then all day long yes ma'am yes ma'am yes ma'am yes ma'am yes ma'am yes ma'am yes sir yes sir yes sir yes sir you know all day long right and then, oh, I'm home. Then all I want to do, I just want to, I got to go home and relax. Open up the door. And then you wonder why happy hour is at the bar right after work. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm saying? It's just like, when that happens, that's when, you know, it's like, and then you get off of work after a hard day and it's just like, all right, I'm going to go home. And all you're thinking about is the, what you're about ready to face. And now that's the last place you want to go. Overflowing with thankfulness. I'm so thankful for this. So thankful for my wife. So thankful for Janine. That's why I'm not, you're not going to find me Sniffing around. But that's not because of me. I was just blessed by God. She's just, she's just awesome. That is why I walked, I walked into that. Because God was just like, Yeah, you know, Shane, you're going to suffer. So let me give you this one bonus in your life. <laughs> let me introduce you to Janine. It's this, this the same kind of thing. If you're thankful, And so overflowing and so overwhelmed with your Lord, you're not looking for anything else. And you're not going to be. Alexander McLaren, he writes this. I think this is so insightful. The life which is all influenced by thanksgiving will be pure, strong, happy in its continual counting of its gifts. And it's thought of the giver and not least happy and beautiful in its glad surrender of itself to him who has given himself for it and to it. And let's be honest, family. We can't be thankful enough for what Christ has done for us. I mean, it's it's just, you know, just take that moment. Like I always do this, like I challenge myself when I start to feel a little ungrateful. You know, starting to feel a little ungrateful. It happens, right? Sin causes that. We start to feel a little ungrateful, like you know, <laughs> you know, God, I've done this for you. Can you just give me like a nut? I'm not asking for steak. Can you just drop a nut? I'll take a nut. You can't even give me a nut, and we start to get ungrateful. And I start thinking, you know what? Let's talk about. Let's think, and let's talk about all that He has done for us already. Man, that silences me quick. And I just feel like all utter conviction because it doesn't take long, family. It doesn't take long to start thinking about the gift that God had given us. The whole time I'm shaking my fist and rebellious and, and all this stuff that he sent his son to die for me. I can't be thankful enough for what he's done. That's a gift. That's so much more than I can even come close to deserving. And it's going to eternally bless me. Not just today, eternally bless me. It's, I am blessed beyond measure today. I am blessed beyond measure tomorrow. Because I have my Lord and everything is my Lord. And you know what my Lord said to me? All that I have is yours. How can you be thankful enough for that? We can't be thankful enough. See, and and here's the thing that's awesome. The first three participles, or the, the, yeah, the first three participles are in the the, the passive voice. I'm just gonna say this. this. This is what's true about the Greek language. The Greek language is very colorful. And there's so much that comes out in, in when, you, when you, it, you translate from the Greek and stuff. This, it's a, it's, these participles are actually in the passive voice, which means right there when you're reading it, you are seeing that Paul is saying something very clear here. The subject of the verb is being acted upon, meaning is that it's God who does this. Rooted, built up, strengthened are all passive, meaning... We have not rooted ourselves. We have not built ourselves. And we have not strengthened ourselves. These are things that God has got to do for us. So when you see these kinds of things like, hey, let me show you how, let me give you three principles that you can do on Monday where you can be strengthened, where you can strengthen yourself. Oh, let me give you three principles as how you can better root yourself in Christ. No. We don't do this. We don't do this. This is something that God does. This is something that God gives us. This is the blessing and the grace that God wants to bestow upon us. But, you know, people are like, well, but Shane, I mean, we have to do something. Well, we got to understand that faith is our instrument. I, I love the way, uh, Uh, Dr. Michael Horton, the way he describes this. Faith is our instrument. Faith is like a funnel. So we have a funnel over our head like this, and this is our faith. Well, in order for us to receive the grace that God is pouring out, we got to stand under the fountain, right? If it's falling here, not going to do us any good to be going... What's the fountain? You know what's interesting? This is what I think is really interesting. That God gives us what we would refer to as means of grace. He gives it to us all the time. Throughout scripture, he gives us these means by which he desires to give us his grace. Do you know It is amazing? These are, all these things are being neglected in the modern church today. And we wonder why we're not growing we wonder why we're not maturing. We wonder why we're being deceived by every wind of doctrine that comes. We're not there. It's funny, all the means that we have been given, we receive it in baptisms. I'm reading in articles that churches don't even baptize anymore. One of the means of grace by which God gives us grace, we don't do. We receive God's grace from the Lord's Supper. We do the Lord's Supper regularly here, like a lot. You know, that's one of the things I have on the docket of just permanently for us to permanently do it every single week. Why? Because this is a means by which God gives us grace. I don't feel like we do it enough. You know, I mean, today, you know, Ken Ken was, Ken's not feeling well, and I didn't want to dump this on Charlie, you know, because then Charlie's got to do this last minute stuff, then Charlie's going to end up in the hospital, right? So, but but what I'm hearing, family, churches just don't do it at all. They, I, one of my friends, they don't do, it at all. And one of the things that I think is absolutely atrocious is, is is another individual that I know doesn't do it because he's got a church of five thousand. He, know, he's got a church of five thousand people. You know, one of the reasons why they don't do Lord's Supper, that one of the first things that came out of his mouth, it's too expensive. It's too expensive. I'm sorry, I just, I mean, I was scratching my head after he said, it's like too expensive. And then you watch him on TV and he's got, you know, alligator shoes on. I mean, come on. I'm on this alligator shoe thing, I'm sorry. Driving new Teslas and flying first class. And then he's complaining about Lord's Supper being too expensive. Come on. It's so, it's interesting. You know another way we receive God's grace? reading God's word, and then people just don't, they don't want to read God's word anymore. You know, don't they have the Bible on DVD? All right, you know, that's what they say, I don't want to read, I don't like reading, so can I watch the Bible on DVD? Do they have the Bible on DVD? Yes, they do. And they still don't want to watch it. You know, I mean, if Jesus fell out of the sky dressed like Captain America, people would probably watch it. (laughs) We don't want to read the Bible anymore today. Do you know another way we receive God's grace? This thing called prayer. And And in America today, we suffer from prayerless lives. The ways that we receive God's grace are all the things that we are making it a habit of neglecting today and we wonder why we're not rooted why we're not built up why we're not strengthened in the faith and why we're not overflowing with thanksgiving why do we do this because it's sin that causes us to neglect these things which we are to receive we want so much from god but we don't want to go to church you know, it's like, uh, I mean, I, I just don't understand how, why we can't put these two together. We want a lot from God, but we don't want to go to church. We don't want to read, study our Bible. We don't want to pray. We don't want to take the Lord's Supper. We don't want to do all of these kinds of things, but we want so much from God. If you really want chicken McNuggets, somebody's got to go to McDonald's. <laughs> why would we think that this would be any different? Why would we think that this would be any different? This is what God has given to give us, to serve us, to bless us. But it is sin that causes us to lose sight of this. And man, do we got to repent. Sin, that thing that so easily besets us. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is no one on earth who always does good and never sins. This is a reality for us all. But here is the faith. Hear this today once and for all delivered from the saints to the saints entrusted to us it's been delivered once and for all we don't need any more we're not going to get any less and if you hear something different from this you run as fast as you can just like the gingerbread man you just go you go you run if you hear anything different than this family Jesus Died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. This is the gospel of Jesus. The promises are glorious that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You hear anything different, you run. All who called upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You hear anything different, you run. This is the beauty of the gospel of Jesus. And to make one thing very, very clear. There is no other name under heaven by which men can be saved. There is no different ways to God. There is no coexistence with all this stuff. The bottom line is, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life no one comes to the Father except through Him. Period. This is the gift that the Lord wants to give us. Salvation belongs to the Lord. He wants to let us in. Union with Christ. He will root us in Christ. He will build us up in Christ. He will strengthen us in the faith in Christ today. So every day let's give Him thanks. Let's pray. Thank you for listening, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. For more information about Central Baptist Church, go to www.cbcaurora.com.